Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. Yesterday, the third Global Anglican Futures Conference, or GAFCON, began in Jerusalem. GAFCON's been going for just over 10 years now, and as I say, this is its third conference. And if, like me, you've not been to one of those conferences, you might be wondering what on earth it is and why it matters. So in this week's podcast episode, I'll be talking to Chikao Tan. Chikao's been to all of the GAFCON conferences. He's giving a seminar uh, at the conference coming up this week. And I wanted to ask him why he goes as somebody who is a lay person, why he thinks this is worth uh, taking a week off work for and investing time in, and finding out a bit about how GAFCON helps us in England to better understand our place within the global church and the global Anglican community. It's very exciting to talk to you, uh, Chikau. You are going, well, we're going to talk about a number of things, aren't we? Um, we're going to talk about your role as uh, a member of General Synod, uh, as somebody who is uh, going to the GAFCON conference in Jerusalem uh, in a couple of weeks' time. That's quite a lot of involvement uh, in the Church of England. And you do that, that's not your job, is it? No, no. I work uh, full-time as a hospital pharmacist, uh, as an operations manager. And I, I'm current, currently working in an, in an uh, mental health trust at the moment. So I specialise in psychiatric pharmacy, although I have worked many years in the acute sector. So I, I'm a pharmacist by profession. And that's a full-time job. As we were uh, getting ready to set up, you, you took out your on-call bag. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. I have to do my, my uh, uh, own things as, as, as the on-call pharmacist, and, and, and today's my, my turn. Okay, well, let's hope we don't get, um, yes. don't get uh, interrupted. So you do that, and um, tell us where you go to church and, and what your involvement is locally. Locally, we have been in, involved with this church uh, on and off. When when I say on and off, uh, we spent six years with Overseas Missionary Fellowship. So when we came back, we returned to the same church. I'm part of a preaching team and uh, part of the PCC, of course, as a member of the General Synod. So I'm, I'm involved in that way. We have a new minister and uh, obviously we want to support him in whatever way we can. And that's at Audley, isn't it? Which is our that's a Saint James Church, Audley, which that's is right. a church society uh, parish. Which is that's right, that's right. Uh, yes. Which is great. Yeah. I'm hoping at some point to do a podcast with Simon and hear a bit more about that. Yes. Um. So tell us, Chika, how long have you been on General Synod? I have been on continuously since 2005. Okay. So this is my third five-year term. And what was it that made you decide to stand for General Synod back then? Well, I, like many evangelicals, especially the conservative ones, always believe in the local church. And uh, why do we want to care about uh, the national church? Let them do what they want. Where the action is, where things are important, is the local church. I've always held that view, and uh, in many ways I still do. But I, I heard a series of uh, talks by Peter Jensen, 
where he basically came up with this point that uh, many decisions in the Church of England are made by a very small group of people. And if we Christians uh, who are conservative evangelicals do not get stuck in and enter the debate uh, in whatever form and the decisions are made and it comes down to the parish level and at that point you can do nothing and you have no one to blame except yourself and uh, it suddenly woke me up and I said, well, that's it, I'm going to stand for that. Uh, and, and I did, and by God's grace, as a total unknown, I was uh, elected. And have continued to be elected. Yes. And, and have you found in that time that <clears throat> you have been able to be involved in important decisions and have a say as a conservative evangelical there that has felt worth the effort and the, the commitment of doing that? Yes, if, if you look at things in terms of victories and losses, then the victories are few and far between. Uh, but there are, there are a number of occasions where I felt that uh, the, the conservative evangelicals have made a strong impact. Uh, for example, the debate on the uniqueness of Christ. On, uh, on the, there was an emergency motion about uh, the persecution of Christians in Nigeria by, by the Muslim radicals and, and uh, the whole issue of the women bishop debate. I think our, our, our points were, were, were heard and uh, the church had to take account of it. Great. So even in those cases where it hasn't felt like we, we've won, there's been an influence that has maybe shaped how some of that decisions were made or how people took um, things forward at a sort of practical level, perhaps? Yes, yes. I, I think you have to look at them differently in terms of the three houses. In terms of the house of clergy, they are primarily liberal. Uh, in terms of the house of laity, there's still quite a lot of socially uh, conservative and social, uh, socially theological theologically conservative Christians in the House of Laity and, um, and, and, and that, that, that's where really the main influence for conservatism as it were uh, right. is, uh, is, is there. Great. Um, general synod elections coming up in two years time I think that's is right. it? That's so right. people have plenty of time to, to think about uh, whether they might uh, stand for that in the future. Um, but but certainly worth thinking about. Def, def, definitely, uh, it is getting increasingly harder mm. to be elected, and uh, increasingly harder for the more socially conservative voice to be heard. But uh, heard we must, and yeah. uh, we must never give up on that. Yeah, and as you say, if we don't even try, we really do only have ourselves to blame. Absolutely. And so, Jacob, you're not just involved now in the national church, but the international church. So um, just tell us a little bit about what GAFCON is and, and how it came into being. GAFCON stands for Global Anglican Future Conference. And uh, the first conference was held in 2008. But there was a long history that uh, went before the formation of GAFCON. Uh, primarily, it has to do with the U.S. Episcopal Church, which uh, became very, very liberal. And in 2003, they appointed the first openly homosexual 
Bishop, the Bishop of Hampshire, Jean Robinson. Robinson, yes. Jean Robinson, uh, who left his his wife and children to set up home with uh, with a gay man. Yeah. And uh, and at the two thousand and eight ten yearly Lambeth conference called by the Archbishop of Canterbury. That's a conference where all the bishops in the Anglican Church come together to meet once every 10 years. But a third of the bishops worldwide felt that they could not really join in this Lambeth conference because there was Jean Robinson and those other bishops who lay hands on him and, uh, and they could not take communion with him nor with those bishops who uh, appointed him and there was there was a split and Rowan uh, Williams knew that but he still called the conference and so was boycotted by a third of the bishops worldwide. But a significant thing is that the, the third of those who, who did not attend Lambeth conference but instead went to Gulfcon, first Gulfcon conference in Jerusalem actually represented perhaps 70% of the Anglican Communion. Right, so it's actually not a minority. So it's not a minority, it is in fact, you could say it was the majority. So at the first Jerusalem Gafcon Conference, there were 291 bishops, 1,148 clergy and lay leaders who attended. So it was a very significant worldwide conference which uh, involved a lot of provinces and uh, who represent perhaps 70% of uh, Anglicanism. Yeah, so it really is global when, you know, the global of global Anglican features, it is global. Um, and um, of of those um, sort of 291 bishops in that sort of first conference, the majority not from the West? Is that that's sort of my perception as someone who's never been? Is that about right? That's That's about right. Uh, what we, we have to recognise that over the past 30 years, the centre of gravity of Christendom has moved to Africa. And that uh, at the first GovCon conference, as it was in the second GovCon conference, uh, there, was a, there were huge numbers of Africans mm. and uh, some South Americans, quite a number of Asians, which includes Asians uh, like... like uh, like uh, the Burmese, the right. uh, the, the Malaysians, uh, and and also Indians and and also Arabs, but there were of course uh, quite a number from the UK and from 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 the US and sure. Canada. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a big mix, but perhaps not when people first think of Anglicanism. Certainly, people in this country we think of white Western English Anglicanism, and it's a really helpful reminder that, as you say, Christendom, but it, but within that Anglicanism as well, isn't just our sort of white, pretty Victorian churches in the English countryside full of white people. Um, it, it really is a global movement. I mean, that's, that is absolutely true. If you look at a Nigeria Anglican church, it has uh, 18 million adherents. Uh, mainly most of them are church goers yeah. and you have 8 million in Uganda, 5 in Kenya, 4.5 million in South Sudan and Sudan. When you compare that with uh, something like uh, uh, like the church in Wales which has only about 44,000, yeah. uh, they, they, they're minuscule 
And although technically there are two million in the Episcopal Church, uh, large numbers of them are not churchgoers. There are supposed to be 26 million Anglicans in this country, but uh, the statistics show that only about 600,000 are active churchgoers. Yeah. So actually the centre of gravity has long ago yeah. uh, moved south. Yeah, and, and, it, south. Yeah. and so this is one really helpful uh, reminder of that. But as you say, it was particularly formed um, in response to uh, issues of uh, liberalism around sexuality uh, in the western part of the church in America um, that have sort of so it's not just that it's global but it's global with a very particular um, theological um, feel to it. it it is evangelical it is conservative evangelical yes. uh, and it it's really exciting I think and encouraging to think that actually that that is what represents the majority mm. view in Anglicanism rather than perhaps what we might see as the majority view in English Anglicanism. Um, so just tell us about your experience of going to that very first uh, GAFCON. Was it, was it encouraging? Was it exciting? Was it... I think it, 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 was, it was indeed very, very encouraging. Uh, I've, I've, when, when I'm in church and sometimes when I preach, and I say one of the greatest experiences that I've had is to meet with... Uh, up to about 1,300 Christians mm -hmm. and to say the same creed, the Apostles' Creed, and make the same declarations al alongside so many Africans from so many different ethnic African groups. Mm -hmm. uh, with my fellow Malaysians and other Singaporeans, uh, along with South Americans from the Brazilians, and, and of course with, with the Americans from mm -hmm. Canada and the US. And, and, and it's lovely, different colour, uh, different shapes and sizes, yeah. and uh, different skin colour, but all proclaiming the same creed. And it was really fantastic for me to meet other Arab Christians from, from the Middle East. Amazing. Who, uh, who believe the same things as we do. So this idea of, of, of the Western Christianity representing Christendom is, is a far mm. long ago out outdated model mm. and so I, I can see that that must have been amazing like a little foretaste of heaven that that sort of international um coming together and and shared beliefs and shared worship and so on what what has gafcon achieved beyond that that sort of wonderful experience what else does it do i think it, it tried to bind uh, theologically conservative christians with scripture and mission so it wasn't just uh, coming together to praise God, which indeed we did, and it was wonderful, but to, to set up the Jerusalem Declaration and Statement, whereby, whereby Ang Anglicans from across the globe can unite over. And not only that, it, it, it offered prenatal uh, protection, so to speak, for, for congregations and dioceses, who do not have want to have anything to do with the liberal West, although they are being cited there, so that they could have uh, bishops who, who would perform the rights of their own bishops who are liberal. And, and, and that is really, really encouragement. And uh, it was there that they decided to try to bring into formation the Anglican Church of North America, which is now exist in existence and growing very fast in comparison to the uh, Episcopal Church. And of course recently, 
uh, a bishop, a Gulfcom bishop for Europe has been appointed and uh, he will provide the role of a bishop to any Scottish or European congregations who, whose bishops have uh, gone along with uh, secularism and forsaken the gospel and they can put themselves under the Gulfcom bishop. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring you back to the American situation, just to point out that the Episcopal Church in America, people will have heard of that because that is the church that Michael Curry, uh, who recently preached at the royal wedding, is a bishop of. Um, and yet that was the church that, that sort of provoked um, the whole split and, and is supposed to be under disciplinary procedures and so on. And yet, as you say, the the... Uh, what is it, the Anglican Church of North America, ACNA, which is the, the kind of faithful um, uh, conservative church, is the church which is growing over there and the congregations are, are multiplying and, and bishops have been appointed and so on. So it is, it is exciting to see how God brings good things out of bad, mm -hmm. isn't it? And that is always his pattern. And we can look at a church and think that is just going nowhere and falling yeah. into sin and disrepute and yet God can can bring something new out of that situation and then you mentioned that uh, recently um, last year um, a GAFCON bishop uh, for Europe was appointed that's Andy Lines and so in England he has responsibility I believe for the AMIE churches Anglican mission in England so those are Anglican churches which are not part of the Church of England um, and so, again, it's that where people are in situations where there's a bishop whose ministry they, they just can't accept for whatever reason, um, there is now this sort of alternative structure that people can turn to. Um, and again, that, that seems to be uh, not, not so much flourishing in the, in the kind of wake of the demise of the church, but certainly flourishing where people are needing it. Um, and it's great that, that GAFCON is doing those kind of yeah. practical outworkings from the conference getting together and saying, actually, now what do we need to do in response to that? Yes, I, I, I think it, it breaks God, God's heart that there should be a split mm. in the Church of England, ultimately. And uh, no one wants that. But as, as one famous theologian put it, liberal theology has the stench of death mm. and, uh, and the growth of... God will give growth to those who are obedient to him. It may be slow, it may be hard, but that's the way it's, it's happening. And uh, it is more important to be faithful to God's word than to, to be faithful to one's uh, organisational uh, structure. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, God is more important than whatever human structures we put into place. That unity can only be unity in the scripture and, and on God alone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you went again to the, the second GAFCON conference. That was in Africa, wasn't it? That was in Nairobi. Yeah. Yes. And did that have a different feel to it? Was there uh, a sort of different agenda or was it more of the same? I, um, I did not have personally a very happy time there. I felt that it was too too overwhelmed by bishops and clergy and there was very little role for laity. There were great worship, great teaching, great decisions made and uh, I supported that. 
But what, what I'm beginning to see now is the importance in the long term that uh, the laity are uh, mobilized and uh, empowered to really do God's work so that it is not merely a vision of, of the archbishops, bishops or clergy, but that uh, it is also a collective vision of laity along with their clergy and bishop for the future and that there is a mutual accountability, a mutual respect, uh, a, a mutual cooperation working together rather than uh, a very hierarchical structure moving down that the laity are there to be mobilized to fulfill the vision of the leaders rather than to see how God is leading laity, clergy and bishops to fulfill God's vision and that is what I think uh, was missing. That's very interesting. So as a lay person, um, did you feel encouraged to go along to GAFCON in the first place? What was it that, that made you think this is a thing that, that needs people like me there? I was su surprised that uh, I was only three years into General Synod when uh, I was invited. Uh, but I was doing different things and uh, and uh, uh, Anglican Mainstream, the General Secretary then, Chris Sutton, was very kind to, to invite me over and uh, to participate in one of the panels. So I, I was happy to be there and uh, I was happy to be part of a global mm. mov movement. Of course, that was in 2005, so we are, uh, we are 13 years down the line and we need to look into the future, uh, that uh, a future where, where there might be more persecution in some mm. churches and how, how do we actually fulfill the, the Great Commission where clergy cannot go to places where laity can go and that there that, that has to be a revolution in our thinking to see how we can fulfill the Great Commission to spread the gospel to every tribe, every language group, every ethnic group, every language group in the world. It cannot be done unless the laity are very much part of the leadership mm. as well as the workers. So I know you're giving a seminar uh, at GAFCON this time around that, that whole issue of mobilising the laity. Can you give us a little um, foretaste of some of the things you might be saying? How are we, how I, are we going to do this? Yes, yes. In this uh, Jerusalem conference, there are, of course, the, a number of preaching meetings and so on. But alongside that, there are 24 seminars, discipleship seminars. And uh, so this seminar that I've been asked by uh, Peter Jensen to take, is just one of a number yes. of seminars. But bear in mind that there are, there are going to be about 1,800 people attending. So we hope for good attendance in all the seminars on all the topics. But mine is uh, entitled Mobilizing, Empowering and Freeing the Laity. And uh, what I'm hoping to, to do is to stimulate thinking for the way forward. Because uh, what we see today in the model in most churches especially in liturgical churches, but not only that, it's in the free evangelical churches as well, where you, you have professionalization of the work in the church so that the clergy is seen as the professionals and they are paid and anyone else are the unpaid amateurs. And uh, 
and also the structure in the church often mirror the society. So you have this very hierarchical structure so that as you become more important, as you become more specialist, you rise up the ladder. And, and I think that's a wrong model to use. Uh, that this divide between clergy and laity need to be minimized so that there is a collective vision so that, uh, so that the call is not just to clergy, but the call is to every member in the church that God calls you and me, whether I'm a pharmacist, whether I'm a porter, or whether I'm a taxi driver, or whether I'm a bishop, we all have a calling from God. And that if God has a calling for all of us and not just the clergy, the vision for that local church, for the regional church, for the global church, has to include both. What I do not see is the, is the mutual accountability. It is always said that uh, the laity should be accountable to the minister, but the minister should also be accountable to the laity. And the laity and the clergy are both accountable to each other. They must work together. And the main role, as I see it, is that the clergy is to, is to train up the laity to fulfill God's function for them and for the church. And that is what, what we, we, we need to see change. Great. I'm well. I'm excited. I'm. I'm sad. I'm not going to be there now. Um, <laughs> uh, so as this podcast is going out, Gafcon will have already begun. What are, What are you hoping um, that this conference will achieve? What are we hoping might be some of the outcomes this time? Do you think? It's hard to know what the outcome will be because. Uh, GovCon conferences have a practice of producing a statement whilst they are there. Right. And so you do not go with a predetermined statement for the conference. It kind of develops and there's a theological team that pulls together different strands of things. And then, uh, and, and then they, for example, the Jerusalem statement uh, was developed whilst we were in, in Jerusalem and not before it. Mm. So it's quite exciting to see what yeah. the Lord will do. But what we do know that the, the future is very stark. The Church of England is going in a direction as even as a mother church in a way that no one could anticipate 30 years ago. Mm. And I think it has sobered many people's mind that uh, the way the, the, the Church of England is moving towards is so is not consonant with, with the scripture and uh, it's, it's going much against the grain in the majority Anglican churches in the global south and, uh, and the faithful remnants as it were in, mm. in, in the west. So I think whilst we are there something will be happening at the same time in the western parts of the Anglican communion that, that would, that would make the bishops and the clergy and the leader, lay leaders there to seize mm. the moment. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I have a feeling that, that there will be a point when the whole conference will be decided, this is what it must do, this far and no more, and come up, come up with a declaration that uh, would be stronger than anyone imagined. Wow, exciting. Um, watch this, what, I mean, I say watch this space, what, watch what's coming out. I'm looking forward to hearing. Um, what what goes on there? So, 
in the light of, of all of that, what things would you love people to be praying uh, for you, but also for the, the conference as a whole? I, I hope that GovCon is not just a movement for uh, conservative Anglicanism, but for the church, uh, whether, whether you are free evangelical, whether you, you, are, you are Methodist or Presbyterians. I hope and pray that, uh, that people will join us to pray that it will be a movement for Orthodox Christianity. What I see in perhaps in five to ten years' time, and it has already been happening, that there's a global realignment um, between different denominations. So, for example, the Methodists are as split as, as, the, as the Anglicans, and so are the Presbyterians. Uh, across the globe, mm. in every Western church, the, the, the split is, has been happening. So there will be a, a global realignment, and I hope that uh, GovCon in Jerusalem again will be taking the lead in this global realignment. And to actually have a vision for, uh, for worldwide growth, to, uh, to have a worldwide revival, and that they should not just look at Anglicanism, but to look at, at, the, at the, the strengths of Anglicanism and develop it, and not just think in terms of how do we preserve churches in the West which are no longer faithful to God. Mm. Mm. There we go. Well, there's something to expand everyone's prayers be praying for for worldwide revival uh and and that's you know what we should all be praying for and it would be um amazing if, if this is part of the way that god uses uh to bring that about uh in the coming mm. years and, and generations i i definitely hope to see from a personal perspective a revolution in thinking about how we we, we consider laity in the church of england uh, sorry, and, and in, in, in global mm. Anglicanism, which is very hierarchical. Mm. And that uh, when I went to Nairobi, one of my unhappy experiences is to see how some bishops uh, are treated like tribal leaders. And, uh, and uh, that is uncomfortable for me. And that uh, the Anglican Church needs to see that it is as unlike society in the structure in the way it structures the church in its hierarchy and to have a flatter model mm. whilst remaining essentially anglican yeah that's a big task but uh, but for every clergy you have perhaps a uh, uh, hundred thousand laity how are we using that yeah yeah there we go think what good god could be doing uh, with that number of people. There we go. Thanks so much for talking to us, Chikau, and Thank I really look forward to hearing how things go. Thank you. So let me encourage you to remember GAFCON in your prayers this week. As I mentioned, uh, Lee Gatiss, Director of Church Society, will be there, uh, and other uh, members of Church Society and our leadership uh, will be involved in different ways. We do pray that it will be a significant week uh, for the Church uh, around the world uh, and perhaps particularly pray that it will be helpful to those of us in the Church of England seeking to be faithful alongside our brothers and sisters from elsewhere. 
I've asked Chikau if he would uh, write a, a little report for us from GAFCON uh, when he gets back, and we'll be posting that on the website uh, within the next few weeks. So do look out for that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Do feel free to share the podcast with anyone you think might be interested. And do get in touch with us if you've got any comments, questions or ideas for future episodes. I'd love to hear from you. Roz at churchsociety.org. You can also comment on our Facebook page or tweet us at Church Society. Do tune in again next week. Mm -hmm.